So our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 through 22. And hear now the word of the Lord. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. And yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken away from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness. In the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. And I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked. For there's a time for every matter and for every work. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them. And that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath. And man has no advantage over the beasts, for all is vanity. All go to one place, all are from the dust, and to dust all return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better than that man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this morning, we continue our series of guest speakers as we have the series entitled Behold, One Gospel with Many Voices. And this morning, speaking for us is Eddie, Pastor Eddie Bien. So Pastor Eddie grew up in Chicago and has spent the last 25 years pastoring and teaching in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and South Korea. He is the author of the award-winning book, Justice Awakening, and praying for your pastor and praying for your missionary. He's also the executive producer of Save My Soul, an award-winning documentary on trafficking in South Korea. 
He currently is the director of the Doctor of Ministry program and associate professor of Christian ministry at Talbot School of Theology and Biola University. He and his family live here in Orange County, and you will typically find him on that row just underneath the tents out there in the back most Sundays with his wife, Allie, and son, Enoch. And now that I feel absolutely awful about myself in comparison to all the accomplishments of Pastor Eddie, please give him a warm welcome as he speaks for us this morning. All right, good morning. It is an honor to be here with you today. And uh, before we begin, let's uh, just commit this time to the Lord and ask for his spirit to uh, illuminate our hearts as well. Let's spend a moment in prayer. Father, we do thank you for your grace that covers over our lives and that sustains us. And Lord, we declare right now that we need you. We desire to honor you, honor your presence, and honor your word. Allow us to honor it through how we hear your word today. And God, let me honor your word by how it is delivered. So that in all things today, that the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sights. O Lord, our rock, our redeemer. So come, Holy Spirit, uh, soften the soil of our hearts to receive your word with gladness and to go out in faith-filled obedience. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, I grew up in Chicago, as uh, Lewis mentioned, um, but only I, we moved out to uh, Orange County literally like uh, two months before COVID hit. So this was one of the toughest transitions uh, for us. And uh, growing up in Chicago, unlike uh, beautiful, sunny California, we have four distinct seasons. Football, baseball, basketball, and hockey. I think my favorite, though, is uh, definitely baseball. I've grown to be a huge Otani fan. Um, But I did go to my first Dodgers game the other night, and I must say Dodgers fans are different. Uh, man, the passion uh, that I, I've never seen a stadium fill up that early and that full before. So uh, props to you Dodgers fans out there. Speaking of baseball, uh, there's a story of a boy who was getting ready for his uh, baseball season. And so he went to his local park to practice and no one else was able to be with him. So he was out there practicing by himself. And so he was trying to pump himself up and get him ready for uh, improving his baseball skills. And so with the ball in one hand and his bat over his shoulder, he throws the ball up and he says, I am the greatest hitter in the world. And he swings and he misses. That's all right, strike one. So he picks up the ball again and then he pumps himself up. He says, I am the greatest hitter in the world. He throws the ball, he swings and he misses again, strike two. He's like, that's okay. Three strikes, I got one more, it's all right. So he throws it up again. He goes, I am the greatest hitter in the world. And he throws the ball. He swings with all of his might. Strike three. And so he picks up the ball and he goes, do you know what this means? This means I am the greatest pitcher in the world. (laughs) You know, sometimes a change in perspective can help us see a challenging situation 
into a more meaningful one for us. Especially during the season of COVID that we have all been in for over two years now, it has been hard and long, hasn't it? And sometimes we wonder if it'll ever end. And there, hasn't there been moments where we feel like, as C.S. Lewis writes in uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe in the Chronicles of Narnia, there's a line in there describing uh, Cursed Narnia where he says that it feels like it's always winter, but never Christmas. And I think there have been moments in COVID where I felt like that, especially early in the pandemic, right? That's what it felt like. It's like for the first time, we have so much time, right? We could do our work anywhere. We could study anywhere in the world, and yet we're stuck at home, right? There's nowhere to go. After the vaccine was created, we could travel, but then there's variants. And, and now gas prices are crazy. Um, it feels so long and hard. And now there's this thing called monkeypox spreading. It's like, we feel like, man, when is this season going to be over? It feels long and hard. But you know, the Bible teaches us something very important about how we need to view all the different seasons of life. The good, the bad, the ugly, they can all serve an important function in our lives when we have the faith to perceive them in light of some important truths. But what is that perspective and what are those truths? And that's what we want to explore today. So keep your Bibles open to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to be focusing on the first 15 chapters. And what we want to learn is how we can learn to truly live by faith through all the different seasons of life. So there's a, a few important truths that we want to really embrace with a heart of faith. And the first thing that we need to learn in our passage today is that there are different seasons for everything. Okay, so it's clear. Scripture teaches us that there are different seasons for everything. Look at verse 1 of Ecclesiastes 3. It says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Now in Scripture, there describes two different types of time. There is chronos, from which we get chronology, and that is the regular passing of you know, minutes, seconds, hours, days, months. That's chronos. But what Scripture also highlights as a type of time is kairos, and that is the right season of prime opportunity that happens within our lives. And so that is what this passage is speaking of, that God has a proper time for everything, and God has a perfect time for everything within our lives. Look at verse 2 and following. There's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather them together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, and a time to lose a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So it is clear he's, through this repetition and through this parallelism, through this poetry, the writer is making it clear that there is a right time for everything that happens within our lives. And to know the seasons of life we are in is wisdom. Proverbs 6.6 6 says, Look to the ants, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. 
Now, why are ants considered wise in Scripture? They're small, they seem insignificant, and if you're not careful, you could easily step on them. Well, ants are wise because they know what season it is within their lives, and they live accordingly. Because also in Proverbs 30, 25, it says, Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. They are wise because they know what season it is in life, and they live in light of that season. They know that there is a time to store up food because winter is coming. So when it's picnic season, they get busy. So wise people know what time it is in their lives, and they live in light of that season. The wise student knows that this is a season to gather up knowledge. The wise seminary student knows that this is not the season to dive deep into ministry, but to dive deep into the study of theology. When I was in seminary, I I did um, some of my studies in Vancouver at Regent College, and I had some friends who just couldn't wait to just hurry up and graduate so that they could get into real ministry. And so we wouldn't see them in classes a lot because they're just, they decided to become full-time in their ministry pursuits. Now, they didn't understand what season it was. It was a season of preparation. It was a season of study of theology. And so for them, they lost the important opportunity to grow in that knowledge, but also to grow in their relationship with their professors and the wisdom that was offered there. But the wise person knows what season they are in and they live accordingly. How? By making the most out of every opportunity. Are you single? Is this the season you are in? Then don't waste the season of singleness. Don't keep living in the future just wishing that you had a relationship, thereby forfeiting living the season that God has given you today. Realize that this is my season right now. Embrace it by living with undivided devotion to your mar- in your marriage to the Lord. So take advantage of the season by taking risks and taking steps of faith for the kingdom of God. You know, I was pastoring in Korea for a number of years, and one season of the congregation that I was pastoring, we had, I think, about 60% um, single recent college grads. And it was a very unique opportunity. And so we felt as a church to really prayerfully challenge those people who were in that season uh, because they would come for one, two-year contracts and then go back to their home countries. And we challenged them, you know what? When your contracts are over or when you want to transition in your careers, prayerfully seek to do the same job, right? Whether you're a teacher, doctor, dentist, whatever, same job, but instead look for an opportunity in a nation that doesn't have a lot of believers so that you can be a light to those cities and countries. And we are so blessed that as the, we kept preaching that vision, more and more single people started to go with their same careers, but now to nations that were in need of a Christian presence. So we sent out people to Afghanistan, to Kuwait, to Cambodia, to Vietnam, and all these different places. And it was a beautiful vision of people embracing the season that they were in to do things that maybe as a married person they may not be able to do. And so that was a people taking advantage of the season and living in light of it. That was a wise use of singleness. Are you married? Is this the season you are in? Don't waste this season by wishing you were in another. 
Uh, this is the season that God has brought you into. So don't waste this special season of being refined into the image of Christ. Because marriage, if you've been married for any amount of time, you realize that that is God's one of greatest tools to reveal our selfishness, to teach us forgiveness, and to show us the value of covenant loyalty. And so prayerfully ask the Lord, God, teach me to love like you love to my spouse in the season. Use this time to learn to love like Jesus. And I think for a lot of us, are you in an extended season of winter? Learn to embrace this season with faith. Learn to find joy, not because of your circumstances, wishing that it was different, rather learning to find joy because of Christ in your life. Learning, that is learning how to rejoice in the Lord always. You see, Satan wants us to waste our lives by wasting our seasons. Satan wants us to daydream into fantasies. But Jesus wants us to fully live, fully be alive by savoring ultimate realities. And Jesus is the ultimate reality. You see, if you're constantly living in the past, you're not truly alive today. If you're constantly daydreaming into the future, you are not truly living today. The only way to live today is to be fully alive right now in faith, knowing that this, where I am right now, was sovereignly placed in my life for a reason. So don't just wait for the season to be over. Don't just try and change your season with your own effort. Why not? Why shouldn't we just do that? Because our next key truth that we must embrace is because God is sovereign over every season. God is sovereign over every season. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 9 and following. It says, What gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So this is teaching us that God has made everything beautiful in its proper time. So the right thing done at the right time in God's eyes is beautiful. It is revealing that everything has a purpose. This season that you are in, even wishing that you were not in, has a purpose. Even this season that we have been through COVID and so many other challenges. You have a purpose divinely orchestrated by God because God made you on purpose. You are not an accident, no matter what your parents may have told you. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. In his sovereignty, he makes everything beautiful in his time. Ruth Graham, the wife of the late Billy Graham, had a sign over her kitchen sink that read, Divine service done here three times a day. It was a reminder to her that even her work in this season as a mother of young children carried significance in God's sight. Be it cooking or crunching numbers, be it parsing verbs or writing papers or eating and drinking, our life journey of faith is learning how to do all things to the glory and the honor of his name. Everything we do carries eternal significance when we do it to the Lord. Verse 11 again, he says, He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And so he confesses that there is mystery to God's sovereignty. 
Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 tells us, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, declares the Lord, right? Neither are my ways your ways. Right? So, so are my ways are higher. My thoughts are higher than your ways. What is this revealing? It's saying we can never fully and completely understand the mind or the ways of God. It's like trying to explain physics to a puppy, right? So let's say you have a puppy and a lot of dogs, they like, you know, lying down in the sun. And so you notice that, you know, he's starting to notice that the sun shifts. And so you're trying to explain physics to him. Hey, puppy, you know, it's like if you like that, you got to be careful what kind of angle these mirrors and these windows have because if they are convex or concave angles, depending on how the light shines upon it, that's going to refract things in a different angle. So you need to be ready for that. All right, if you're explaining that to the puppy, he may be wagging his tail, but all he's going to say is rough. He cannot fully understand. Why? Because there is an intellectual gap between a dog and a human. And how much greater is there an intellectual gap between creator God and us as his creation? And so because we realize, Scripture teaches us, that there is an intellectual huge barrier between the mind of God in His sovereignty working through our lives and our finite being mind, how do we respond? We respond with faith and trust that He may be doing and working in ways that we do not fully understand yet. And so we trust Him. Amen? But at the right time, he allows his will to be fulfilled. And he demonstrated that to the fullest, fullest extent in the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Galatians 4.4 teaches us, but when the fullness of time had come, again, when the kairos moment had arrived, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of ver woman, born under the law, to redeem those, us, who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So at the fullness of time, at just the right season of time, God orchestrated the birth of his son, his life to be lived, his life to suffer, his life to die, but also his life to be resurrected again. At just the right time, he is sovereign over all the events of our lives. At just the right time, you were born. At just the right time, your life is being lived in this season of history. And at just the right time, we will meet our maker. God is sovereign over every season of our lives. Life, even death, even suffering. So there are different seasons for everything, and God is sovereign over every season. Therefore, how are we to live? Well, in every season, we live for the Lord. In every season, we trust in the Lord. Ecclesiastes 3.12 and following says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. So instead of waiting for your next season, live fully in the one that you are in for the Lord. 
Today is a gift from the Lord. It is the present, but also it is your presence from God. Verse 14, I perceived that whatever God does lives forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been, for that which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. So whatever God does endures forever. Therefore, connect your life to God. If you want your life to be lived in significance, be on mission with God because his work lasts forever. So we learn to submit each moment of our lives to the Lord in faith, in obedience, in submission to God. Nicholas Herman was born in France in 1605. As a teenager, he fought in the French army. He got wounded in the war and became lame in both of his feet for the rest of his life. But he met Christ at the age of 18, and that renewed his vision for what could be. But because of his physical handicap, his biggest fear was living a life of insignificance, especially when he perceived that other people around him, their lives seemed so productive compared to his own. So at the age of 50, he joined a monastery in Paris. But also because of his handicap, uh, he was assigned to kitchen duty, and he hated it. He found kitchen work to be humiliating and insulting to his pride. Cleaning the floors, cleaning the dishes, he hated it. Then one day, God convicted him about his attitude. And he began to realize that God's presence was not only with him, but his presence was in him. And he realized that even in his most menial tasks, if done for God's glory, could become holy and significant. So wherever he goes... He realized, you know, this is holy ground because God is with me. So in the heat of the kitchen, in the backyard gardens, even in the bathrooms, became holy ground in his mind because he knew that God goes with him, Emmanuel. So his attitude radically changed because he started doing things for God, for his glory, and he kept his eyes on eternity. Others began to notice, and they asked why the huge change, and he began to share what God was teaching him. And so he actually started to keep a small journal of the lessons he was learning in light of these truths. And he also got a new nickname by all the other monks. His nickname was Brother Lawrence. That book he kept of his journal became The Practice of the Presence of God, a book that is still being read over 400 years later. So a helper in a monastery kitchen is still discipling believers 400 years later because he learned to live every season and every moment of his life before the Lord. As Romans 8.28 reminds us that we know that in all things, God works for the good right, of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So in every season, God can use it for your good and for his glory. You see, this kind of faith changes everything in our lives. The end of our lives is good because the best is yet to come for those who are in Christ. You know, one of my favorite stories that depicts this truth goes like this. Let's say it's Friday night and a young lady is at home waiting for a longtime boyfriend to pick her up from dinner. They have not selected a particular place or time yet, but by 6 o'clock she's waiting in a room for her evening to begin. 6.10, 6.30. Finally, at 6.42, she hears a honk from her driveway, 
fighting back disappointment, she storms to her boyfriend's car, climbs into the passenger seat. Where do you want to go, he asks. I don't care, she says. Nothing could be further from the truth. Panera, he suggests. His dad manages the local Panera restaurant. So it's clear her boyfriend isn't interested in spending a lot of money on her tonight. So what could be meaningful about bagels too, right? Then they pull away. When they arrive at the restaurant, she dutifully picks two. He is quiet, a sure sign of his distraction and detachment. Each slurp of her broccoli cheddar drains away her soup, but also drains away her hope for a wonderful evening. Want to go to the beach, he asks. The beach, she thinks, oh boy, if she knew he wanted to go to the beach, she would not have worn her favorite cardigan sweater. What a disaster. Could anything have changed this evening? But you see, when you know how the story ends, everything changes. Now let's rewind this evening a little bit and imagine that at the start of the same evening, at 6 o'clock, this young lady's phone rings and it's her friend calling from the mall. Hello? Guess who I just saw at the mall? It was your boyfriend. And girl, he was at the jewelry store and I saw him with a ring box. Tonight is the night when you get engaged. Start planning your wedding, girl. (laughs) Now everything seems different. With each passing moment, builds the anticipation in her heart. 6.10, then 6.30. Wow, she thinks he must be planning something big. At 6.42, she hears the honk from her driveway. Fighting back the excitement, she tries not to run to her boyfriend's car. She climbs into the passenger seat. Where do you want to go, he asks. I don't care, she says, and she means it. (laughs) Anywhere will be perfect tonight. Panera, he suggests. His dad manages the Panera, so it's clear he has something special at the restaurant. And the bagels are shaped like a ring. So they pull away and arrive at the restaurant. As she orders, she is struck that she is picking two as long as they both shall live. (laughs) He is quiet, a sure sign that his mind is filled with nervous weights from this moment. And she slurps her broccoli cheddar soup, checking each spoonful for a hidden ring. (laughs) Want to go to the beach? He asks, the beach, oh my, the sun will set over the beach in about 30 minutes. What a perfect ending to this evening. You see, when you know how the story ends, everything changes. So believer, for those who have placed your hope in Christ, do you know how your story will end? What will be our final season before glory? A resurrection. Your perishable, dishonored, weak, fallen body that is vulnerable to these viruses and diseases. We may die unless Christ comes first, but we will be raised imperishable, glorious, powerful, strong in our flesh. One day we will see God. How does your story end? When you trust in Christ, your life ends with a reunion. Though we have not seen him, we love him. Our hearts cry out, Abba, Father, and we will have that cry of our hearts answered as he sweeps us into his arms one day. Our story ends with seeing Christ face to face. How does your story end? When you trust in Christ, your life ends also with a wedding. Your bridegroom comes on the clouds with a glorious entourage of angels to bring you to the home that he is preparing for you for in eternity. Our small taste of the coming kingdom will be fulfilled with a feast, a wedding feast. So believer, you too can start planning for your wedding. 
You see, knowing the ending changes, changes everything. So you can trust him in every season, knowing that by his grace, he has a reason for what he has sovereignly allowed into your life, even today. You see, God is taking us on a journey, teaching us to walk by faith, not by sight. He is taking us on a journey, joining us with Christ to share in his sufferings so that one day we might share in his glory. The season that you are in right now is under the sacred and sovereign hand of an almighty God. Therefore, trust him. You see, for all who trust in Jesus Christ, your story will end in glory. Amen? Let's pray. In faith right now, can we surrender our lives before the Lord? For those who have been anxious and maybe even bitter and wondering when this season will end, can we once again surrender our hearts and lives under the sovereign hand of God and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to treasure you through every season you bring me through. I'm going to keep my eyes on you, trusting and treasuring Jesus to guide me through it all. So can we spend a moment as we surrender our lives and even this season in faith to the Lord? Let's pray. Father, we confess that this season has been hard. But we also declare in faith that in your sovereignty, God, you have always been good. And though your ways are higher and we cannot understand why many times, we can know that you are working all things for our good and for your glory. And that is enough. So, Father, I pray that you would release peace into the hearts of your people today. And if there is anyone here that has never surrendered their lives to you, I pray that they would take that step to give you their life, their pain, their sin, and gladly receive your grace and forgiveness today. So, Father, we do thank you that we do know how our stories will end and we can't wait to finally see you when you take us home. But until that day, God, keep us faith-filled and faithful to you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.